welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 69 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley, and today I'm joined by Dave Cannoli. I hope that's right, Dave. Um, Dave is the former and the longest commentator from City Motorsport Park. He's been around for nearly 20 odd years. And he's got a great story as well. Um, continue on our lives um, from drivers. And you're going to hear about it today. Um, Dave is a self-employed automotive um, content producer for numerous sites. He's a content provider to American-based yachting lifestyle365.com and also for carsforstarters.com.au. His main job is automotive writer right now. Um, under a will thing and he's currently just done a thing on Hugh Barter. If you haven't seen that on LinkedIn, this is a great show. It's a long show, but it's a fun show. I really enjoy speaking to David. As you can hear, we could have spoken all day. So I hope you enjoy it. Just a reminder that we do have a career development program available for most motorsport competitors. Basically we cover subjects such as sponsorship, social media, public relations, branding and media training it's a 12-week course it's available on our website so race to motivate training.com.au for the details let's get chatting with dave hi dave welcome to the motorsport coaching podcast yes hello hello it's nice to be part of all this i'm looking forward to being able to share what little experience i have ah yes i'm actually a little bit intimidated because you are the voice of many motorsport industry and, and i'm like oh and been a commentator and a radio announcer so i'm really looking forward um hopefully getting some tips from you today but um enough about me let's hear about you how did you get started in the industry um i started uh let's see would have been the late 1990s and it was through a community radio station in perth my home city and the station is called RPH, Radio for the Print Handicapped. So what they do is they literally read for people who are blind, who are illiterate, or even to the point of uh, people who are too busy to read the morning newspaper. They tune in in the morning on their radio and actually have people um, reading you know, the Sydney Morning Herald or West Australian or whatever the case might be. And that way they keep up with their, their daily dose of news. Uh, one of the people I got to know was involved with Rally Australia. And one of the people in Rally Australia was one of the senior officials for Barbagallo Raceway. We clicked. Uh, he asked me to come out and you know sit down with he and the team and do some commentary at Barbagallo Raceway. Um, long story short, the rest is history. I was there for um, two seasons, worked alongside people such as uh, Greg Rust, who I've now known for, gee, that'd be easy, 20 years now. Um, and when I moved to Sydney in 2004, I rang Eastern Creek Raceway asked them if they uh, needed a commentary assistant, and they said they had one, which was a guy called Grant Boyden. Uh, Boydo got picked up by what was called Procar Series uh, in 2004, and I was asked to take over his role and ended up spending 15 years as the commentator for what is now City Motorsport Park. Oh, that's fantastic. And do you actually have an interest in motorsport, or did you prior to that role, or it just kind of happened? I did actually in in Perth at the time. Uh, this is way before uh, FM radio. I have to say, so showing a little bit of age, they would have adverts for what was called Wanneroo Park, and yeah. Wanneroo Park is now called uh, Barbagello. 
and they'd be talking about uh, the Australian Touring Car Championships and all those kind of things. And I'd badger my dad to take us up there, but in Perth at the time, they didn't have the freeway system they, they, they do now. So it was literally a, a cut lunch and a, a water bag to get from one part of the city to the other. So never happened, but always had that sort of interest. Would wake up very early on a Sunday morning in Perth time and uh, we'd be watching, you know, the guys driving the HQ Holdens or the Tiranas or the Falcons or whatever the case uh, around Bathurst. And Dad would wake up, come out, have a look, grunt and go back to bed. So that was uh, where my exposure to motorsport came from back in those early days. Oh, fantastic. And so now, you're, as you mentioned, you're at Eastern Creek or City Motorsport Park. Um, what series do you do there? Um, is it just every race meeting there or do you have a third series that you look after? Uh, I actually wrapped up as the commentator for them uh, at the end of December 2018, but the role itself would cover what they call the New South Wales State Series, mm -hmm. state meetings. Uh, so you'd be looking at state-level uh, HQ racing, go-karts, production cars, uh, open-wheeler sports cars, uh, sports sedans, anything along those lines. But also we were involved in looking after uh, the V8 supercars, and I was lucky enough to be one of the two host uh, commentators or anchors for the two Top Gear festivals that we had. Uh, never got to meet Jeremy Clarkson or James May. Came within oh, 15 feet. There is actually a, a TV broadcast copy of that. And you can see myself and my co-host, uh, John McCoy Lancaster, in the background as um, Jeremy comes in with the camera guy. Uh, also covered events such as the Ferrari racing days, uh, the Porsche uh, rent support events that they had there. Uh, and also outside of that, there was the, uh, the HDT launch for a, uh, what they called the VL Retro. And it was the guy called Peter Champion, who was a friend of Peter Brock, mm -hmm. uh, who had taken over HDT when Brocky had passed away. And uh, part of their upgrade to their models was uh, launching this particular vehicle. So I was lucky enough to go around at 250 k's an hour in the actual uh, demonstration vehicle that Peter and his team put together. So covered um, quite a, a fair bit of ground and uh, introduced me to quite a, a, a huge amount of people. Got to interview many drivers, uh, sat down with Betty Clemenko at one of the driver test days, for example. Uh, an amazing woman and, and just a, a very strong presence. And one of the reasons why motorsport, uh, even though we're in a little bit of a doldrums at the moment, it's still thriving in one respect because of people like Betty. Fantastic. And you also did Speed Week as well? Yes, um, I was lucky enough to work with a few people. And Speed Week, as many people would know, is the uh, Sunday afternoon show produced by AVE and it's uh, broadcast on SBS. Uh, didn't get to do as much work as I would have liked, to be honest, but the opportunity was there. And uh, the way that they work is they'll have vision from uh, an event such as uh, a Shannon's Nationals round, for example. They're actually the host broadcaster for them in that respect. And then we would go in and we'd record a voiceover to the vision that we'd see. So it was broadcast almost as if we would see it uh, live at the track on the day. Awesome. So as you can hear, guys, David's got a wealth of experience, um, not only commentating, um, but as well as working with um, the boat industry, so with power boats and yachts. Um, tell us about the world of power boats. Yes, this was, uh, again, through uh, Grant Boyden, as it turned out. This was what was called the Formula One Power Boat Series and uh, became the Formula One Super Boats. So what we're talking about here is um, some specifically designed uh, uh, speed boats, what they call a tunnel hull. To explain that, it's literally as if you've got your two fingers raised up like that. 
the bit in the middle is where the water would pass underneath the boat, create a sort of um, uh, aerodynamic, hydrodynamic effect. So it would kind of suck the boats down onto the water. But at the same time, they're very unstable. So they'd hit you know, a little bit of chop on a river or something. The front end would lift and we actually did see quite a few uh, crashes. Thankfully, no one died, which was great. But the boats are built incredibly strong to take that kind of impact when and uh, if it does happen. All of the, uh, the pilots or drivers are trained to uh, exit the cabin as quickly as possible. They all have a little oxygen bottle inside the cabin. There's always watercraft out on the, uh, the circuit, whether it's a, a lake or a river or wherever the, uh, the events were held. Um, and myself and a couple of other people you know, sort of changed and chop over the years. But we would be calling uh, from distances sometimes three to four to five hundred feet away. So it wasn't always the easiest of calls. And um, interviewing the drivers after the event as well was quite interesting because you'd have some that are very much like uh, Craig Lowndes. You can sit there and talk about anything all day. We'd have others that off the microphone, no problem, stick a mic in front of them and they'd freeze up. So you'd have to try and sort of you know, get a couple of uh, questions that at least get a yes or no answer out of them. And how fast does a powerboat go compared to like um, a race car, say a supercar? Yeah, they can get up to around 250 kilometres an hour. Um, the engines themselves aren't all that big, but the boats themselves don't weigh a lot. So you've got a wonderful power to weight ratio. Uh, I, I did think at one stage, someone mentioned they were like a supercar. So you've got this uh, you know, 1,400 kilo body for a supercar. Let's say a boat might weigh 600 kilos, engine another 100 kilos plus, but you've got enough power to move these things at uh, you know, 250 k's an hour top speed, but they'd accelerate quicker than a space shuttle over the first 100 metres and just uh, having seven or eight boats all launch at the same time and you'd see this absolute wave of water. Uh, rooster tails is, is what they actually call it. So if you get onto YouTube and put in super boats or um, F1 power boats, you'd be able to actually see what these boats can do out on the, out on the track. Oh, I've seen a few of those clips. Unfortunately, it's always when they crash and <laughs> when they're doing, when they're rolling over, as you mentioned. And is there many spectators that attend a power boat event? Yeah, the, the, the series uh, travel more to the country region. So we'd be looking at Taree, Port Macquarie, uh, Wagga, where they actually race on the lake down there, for example. Uh, part of the role I had as the, uh, the series commentator was to work with the local TV and radio station. So it'd be a, a phone call or an email to say that we're coming out, you know, do you want to do an interview? Can we get something in the local newspaper? Um, and we get a good few thousand people would come out and have a look. And of course, uh, the way that this organisation works as opposed to some of the, the landbound motorsport groups is they're more than happy to have people come out, have a look at the boats, get your kid inside the cabin, take a photo with them, talk to the drivers, sign the posters, all those kind of things. So it's a real family kind of uh, environment. And as a result, you get these people who knew that the boats were coming and seen them before at places like Taree, for example. Uh, and it was almost like, you know, greeting a long lost friend to see them back year after year. Oh, fantastic. So it sounds like a little bit like Speedway. Have we done much with Speedway? Yeah, a little bit of Speedway, a little bit here in Sydney and a little bit in um, Kalgoorlie in the, uh, the west of Perth, of course, uh, east of Perth, I should say. Um, and same deal, yeah, you're allowed to go out and have a look, you know, look at the cars, get down and marvel at the amount of horsepower that comes out of a great big lump of you know, V8 and how much it costs to repair them when um, a Conrad goes through the engine, engine block. And so again, um, with the power boats, was that something that you were interested in before you got over to work there or was just that opportunity went there and then, and then the love and the passion developed after that? Yeah, that was the opportunity side of things. Uh, with with um, Grant Boyd and knowing the, the people, because he'd been with them for a couple of years beforehand, 
Um, and it was an invite to say, look, we are, we're heading off. To, I think it was Hobart actually was my first round with them. And from there, it was just getting to know how the actual series uh, worked, what the design of the boats was all about, why they were shaped to a certain uh, degree. And there's um, three main categories they have, literally Formula One, Formula Two, Formula Three, not unlike a landbound series where you've got your top tier, middle and lowest. Um, and then getting to know the drivers, getting to know how they individually would set up their boats because there's uh, little tricks. Again, a little bit of aero in a car. It's the same kind of thing with the way that the engine is trimmed at the rear of the boat and uh, you know, sort of little inside tricks that the guys would have. But no, it wasn't something that I was um, 100% aware of until Grant had asked us to come and be part of it. And so not only do you commentate, but you also do write about um, both motorsports, motorcars, motor powerboats as well. So how did the writing side of, I guess, your career come about? Um, not really sure if there's a sort of hard and fast call for this one, to be honest, Belinda. <laughs> um, just to sort of as an aside, but maybe try and explain this. There's a, an organisation worldwide called Toastmasters. Yes. And what they do is they, like yourself, be aware of how to be a, uh, a public speaker presenter, but you'd have to write speeches in order to be able to use those as your presentation. Um, so I, I guess in that respect, with the crossover from doing the motorcycle commentary and knowing people and having that public speaking and commentary background, uh, a couple of opportunities came away in the last two years. There's two agencies down in Melbourne, for example, uh, DBC2 and the Auto Agency. They're responsible for the uh, blog content for companies such as Rare Spares or for Trico Wiper Blades or for New Finish Polishers and that sort of thing. Um, and the agencies contract myself to provide those particular articles that uh, readers of the, the blog sites were seeing. And that came about, it's a very, you know, closed industry in one respect. You know someone who knows someone who knows somebody. Yeah. Somebody knew someone that knew the people that were running these um, particular agencies, looking for a writer. They got in contact with me, supplied some test articles. Uh, and two years later, we're still working for them. And similar to a, a place, uh, a, a, a website, sorry, called yachtinglifestyle365.com. It's a luxury lifestyle website, but I provide the Formula One content and occasionally get asked to do some luxury car content. And that's just getting online, going through, researching, let's see, you know, the new uh, Rolls-Royce Phantom, getting onto the Rolls-Royce site and then just putting together an article to suit their particular guidelines. So you kind of created that role for yourself. <laughs> in, in one respect, yeah, there's a number of agencies online um, that have opportunities for people in certain areas, in this case, as a writer. Um, I sent through a, a test article again, and, and most companies will do this anyway. And uh, it's a guy called Steve Johnson, ironically enough, given obviously Dick Johnson and Steve Johnson here in Australia. He's based in Oregon, like what he saw. Uh, we still do that. And of course, now with Formula One on hold, what we're looking to do is just have a, a weekly update in regards to what's happening. I think the latest we saw was that uh, there's another circuit, uh, Azerbaijan, it might have been, it's also now been pushed back into schedule. So we'll just do an update on that. Uh, and other writing styles, um, I've done some interviews with people and we talked about Greg Rust a little while ago. Uh, John Bowers, the Rare Spares ambassador. And there's a young um, carter called Hugh Barter, who's based down in Melbourne. I wrote an article about the three of them and it was like the beginning of motorsport for Hugh. Uh, Rusty with his travels and his work with podcasting, etc., And of course, his TV experience in the middle. And John Bow, who's not reached the end of his career, but he's had such a long career, there's so much to talk about. So that was just a nice sort of um, 
opportunity to, to write. And we've got an article that's uh, we're awaiting confirmation from Hugh's father, uh, Chris, to go onto my own website and hopefully that'll be done in the next week or so. Oh, fantastic. I know Hugh very well. <laughs> um, and you also have a YouTube um, channel called A Will Thing. Yeah, A Will Thing is the website. A Will Thing TV is the YouTube channel. And um, I, I have to say, I do get a little bit lax. I don't have the resources as a, a single uh, writer to do a lot of video work. And unfortunately, it's the old smartphone at the end of the arm, at the end of the stick to try and do the video. Um, but as an independent writer, I do car reviews, been doing that on and off for 20 years as well. Lucky enough to have um, support from most of the major companies, uh, you know, Kia, Hyundai, Holden, unfortunately, with their situation, they're going to be falling off the radar. Um, but, you know, there's been Jaguar, there's been uh, Honda in the past as well, and uh, Volvo, which I've got to say, without any bias too, happen to make some of the best European cars that I'm able to drive. Companies like Mercedes and BMW uh, have their own regulations, and unfortunately uh, for myself as an independent, I'm not able to source vehicles from them. But again, that also came, Belinda, from doing that uh, radio work at 65BH back in Perth. And the idea then was before websites were quite common, was literally just to drive the car, make mention of on the radio show, and then provide a written report back to the other uh, people we deal with. Wow, it's so great that it still comes back to the original job that you had, isn't it? <laughs> and like all the opportunities that have been presented um, from that one, which you thought was just going to be a local radio gig, has now expanded your horizon and your career over the last 30 odd years. Yeah, it was just one of those things. Um, I, I, again, I can't recall exactly how I got into doing the volunteer, but uh, as a, a, a child in Perth, I was involved with the police and citizens or the police boys clubs, as some people call them over here in, in the uh, eastern states. And that was due to my parents getting involved. So there was that volunteer aspect of how I was raised. And I think, you know, that might have been part of the reason why I got involved with uh, 6RPH. Very small organisation, but a very dedicated core of people that, that were um, part of the volunteer team. Um, the show that we were part of came under, they had a, a male and a female oriented show uh, under the banner of Her Choice and His Choice. And His Choice on a Saturday was our particular one for His Choice Motoring. There might have been His Choice Gardening. There might have been Her Choice uh, Cooking, whatever the case might be. But we would tailor our shows to those specific audiences about half an hour a day to start off with initially, and then it grew out to be an hour on a Saturday afternoon. And the rest of the, you know, the, uh, the shows during the week would cover pretty much everything that an RPH station, which you can do here in Sydney or down in Melbourne, three RPH, two RPH, that kind of thing, um, would be able to present for uh, anybody and did actually do some work for two RPH in Sydney uh, about 2004 and five before deciding to move on and, and pursue other, other challenges. Oh, that's great to hear. Now, upon doing some review, Dave, of your LinkedIn, I noticed that you've had completed a diploma in film, TV, theatre and arts and your certification. Uh, was that ideally what you wanted to do back originally? Is that maybe how you got started volunteering because you wanted to maybe do more in that, that aspect? Uh, it's it's a good question, and that actually goes back to primary school, oddly enough, and at the local police and citizens. Um, you know, how the kids at school still do little plays at school, and we were doing this and got involved in um, whatever the school play was at the time. This, we were talking uh, mid-1970s, so going back a little bit in time. Um, I, I worked for the Westwood Agency in Perth as a, an extra, um, 
and yet it'd be like a little background scene in an advert or a TV movie. And actually just on that, we've been watching Dancing with the Stars and uh, Claudia Carpin, who's been uh, on there in this particular season. I actually got to work with her in a TV movie that she made uh, in Perth mm -hmm. around 20 years ago. And um, remember sitting down with Claudia and a group of our other um, talent and uh, just sitting down with somebody who I knew who she was and finding out that she's just like everybody else. She's a normal human being, sat there, talked to us like we were to just, you know, her next door neighbours, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, you, you get this sense of, this is a well-known actor, aren't they going to treat us like a little bit of something different? No, just treated everybody like they were normal people, which was great. Um, acting is something that I have done in Perth. I did a lot of stage work with the Wembley Theatre Company. Uh, we, we used to write plays, uh, obviously star in plays, and uh, the good old school pantomimes, you know, so you're talking like Old Mother Hubbard, for example, and you're looking at Old Mother Hubbard right now, I'm afraid. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't saying like, yes, you do look like Old Mother Hubbard. I was saying, yes, do the story, sorry. <laughs> uh, so I guess that skill set, David, as well as um, doing Toastmasters, as you mentioned, has helped with your career to date? Oh, absolutely. Um, Public speaking is one of those things that every time there's a survey done, you know, what, what scares people the most and it's, you know, falling out of a, an aeroplane, being eaten by a shark or public speaking. For some reason, public speaking is always up there as number one. And yet every single day, people will do public speaking. It doesn't matter whether you're talking to your, your wife, your husband, your kids, your next door neighbour, the people you go shopping with, the people, you know, the bank or whatever the case might be. It's still a form of public speaking. You're still presenting yourself to those people as, a, as an audience. And in regards to Toastmasters, one of the things that I really appreciated about how they worked is that it's done at your own pace. Uh, a new member, for example, let's say you, Belinda, join Toastmasters as a, a new member. You get your starter manual. There's 10 speeches. Your very first speech is all about yourself. It's timed at four to six minutes. There are guidelines you have to adhere to and it'd be little things like the structure of a speech, your body language, those kind of things. And obviously vocal quality, how many times you might say um and ah is actually counted at the same time. And then as the, 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 the manuals grow, then you can go into various aspects that you can focus on uh, doing things purely on body language or sentence structure or uh, even TV and then film presentation is one of the, um, the options available. But it is something that is so incredibly versatile and worthwhile for everybody to check out. And for me, Toastmasters, because it was self-paced, you can do your first 10 speeches in 10 weeks. You can do them in 10 years. You can do them in two years like I did. Uh, we had other members that would come in and, and rattle off their first 10 speeches in a couple of weeks by going to different clubs and doing a presentation every couple of days, for example. Yeah, I always recommend Toastmasters to all of the motorsport competitors as um, part of their media training um, because it is a national organisation and it's generally in every city, every regional town as well and if for their confidence, um, for their media training um, side of things, I think it's really important for the guys to have and girls to have that under their skill set. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, so, like, what are you doing now? <laughs> what does a day look like for now from after commentating for so long and retiring the last two years? Is it just the writing or mentoring as well? Pretty much just the writing at the moment, Belinda. So for DBC2 and the auto agency, um, 
Respace is currently their, their biggest client. So every couple of weeks there's a, a new article. Uh, the next article that we'll be having, which should be in uh, early April on their website, will be about the film Ford versus Ferrari. Now, I have to say I haven't seen the film yet, so I'm planning on watching it this weekend. And then the idea for this particular article is to do a film review about it. So I'm kind of keen to see if the film lives up to what I've heard about it. It's apparently an absolute ripper film. So that'll be one thing. Um, towards the end of the month, they do tend to get some other articles. Uh, a couple of their other clients, for example, are called Euro Mechanica, uh, a chain of mechanical outlets for European cars, so your BMWs, your Volvos, etc., etc. Um, and it's about how that particular company works, what kind of services they can offer, and especially now with all this COVID-19 thing, how the online booking services and all those sort of associated parts of their business will work. Uh, and outside of that, yeah, just literally take, you know, each day as it comes. There's uh, never anything that sort of pops up without sort of warning. There's always a, a little bit of a hint that something might happen. So at the moment, it's just taking every day as it goes. Sounds very exciting, living life on the edge. <laughs> well, working from home is one thing. And, then um, you know, this, this social isolation that we have to endure at the moment. Um, some people, I, I can totally understand and find it hard. But working from home, look, it's, it's something I've been doing now for the last uh, few years. I've worked in industries such as uh, electrical retail for JB Hi-Fi, Bing Lee. Uh, I've sold cars. And, and to the best of my knowledge, I'm still the only car reviewer that's actually uh, had a, a car sales experience. Um, and outside of that, you know, with the motorsport side of things, I still keep in contact with a few people that are uh, involved in the industry. Sort of keep an eye on what's happening here in Australia. But... Uh, because I'm no longer doing the commentary work as such, it's not something that I actively pursue anymore. It's more the, the Formula One, and unfortunately, as we know, that's all on pause. So uh, that's just a, a, another thing. As I said earlier, we'll do a, an article a week through Yachting Lifestyle 365, and uh, once we know what's happening in regards to the Formula One season, then hopefully we'll be back doing the uh, uh, the situation for them as uh, a prelim, uh, a qualifying wrap-up, and a race wrap-up. So. Um, we're hoping to get that underway for Melbourne the other week, but in the end of the day, we'll just continue to keep people advised of what's happening in the Formula One world. Thank you. We appreciate it. Now, Dave, do you have any advice for someone who's wanting to get in commentating? I, I think one of the best things to be as a commentator is, I was going to say the ability, but it's not correct. It's the confidence in yourself to be able to talk about something you may not know. It's the old of you. What was the phrase? Daffle with knowledge, daffle with bullshit, or something like that. Um, fake it till you make it, or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just one of those things because everybody's got their own style of doing it. it. It helps to have an interest and have an inquiring mind. And you mentioned earlier, Bell, about um, what people can do for a, a commentator. Having information about a category is absolutely invaluable. So. Let's say we've got the uh, production touring cars that we, we, we see in every state. It's literally just based on a vehicle such as a Holden Commodore or a Mitsubishi Evo or something along those lines. But of course, you're talking turbo fours all-wheel drive, you're talking rear-wheel drive V8s, you're talking um, you know, your, your turbo sixes and those kind of things. So having a little bit of mechanical knowledge doesn't go astray. Mm -hmm. Having a little bit of knowledge about what a car is actually designed to do doesn't go astray either. And also just having uh, the ability to uh, know when to shut up and not talk is also crucial. 
know, there just might be times where people just want to hear a car go past or just want to listen to the whole field of cars, for example, and just listen. give them that, that, that moment to, you know, pick it up. And do you have to do your own research as a commentator or does the category provide that information to you? How do you get your information? Um, own research is, is quite valuable, I think, Belinda. In, in one respect, there's the, uh, the Natsoft website, for example, and that has uh, the results of previous meetings and of, let's say, we're at Eastern Creek or City Motorsport Park and uh, a month ago, the State Series was at Wakefield Park. So you go into Natsoft and you'd be able to look at what the categories were at that particular event, have a look who had won, what had happened qualifying, uh, and then occasionally, you know, again, coming back to production touring cars, and forgive me if I'm sounding like I'm focusing on them, but their own website, they'd have the news about the event, you know, what happened to somebody, why did they not finish because of an engine blowing, or there was a, a, a tangle in two cars crash, and those kind of things. So therefore, you've got that little bit of extra information that you can impart to an audience that not necessarily... Uh, would bring them up to date, but at least they've got something different apart from like this car 99 going around turn three to three k, you know, three hundred k's an hour. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned um, before, Dave, around with your powerboat experience that when you were going to a local country town, that you would contact the local media outlets to let them know that the event was on. Do you have any tips uh, for the motorsport competitors on how they can? Um, do that for themselves with their local media and press? Is it about you just had that one contact or how did you find those contact details to know who to send the information and what were you sending to them? Um, the, the first point of this is having the confidence to be the person and the role that, you know, uh, such a, a role needs. So as the commentator and media officer for the powerboats, for example, let's say we're heading off to uh, Port Macquarie, Good old internet nowadays, you get on and have a look. Uh, Port Macquarie TV, Port Macquarie Radio, Port Macquarie Newspapers, for example. Um, and invariably, there would be a, a contact phone number or an email address. Uh, in that respect, let's say we're going to Port Macquarie and we want to get TV coverage. So um, not sure of what the networks are up there at the moment. So uh, let's say it's Channel 9, Port Macquarie. So there'd be a person look after the sports section get on the phone, hi, it's Dave Canole, uh, calling from the Formula One Powerboats. We're going to be up there in two weeks' time. Um, we've got these categories coming. Uh, just wondering if we'd be able to set up a time for your team to come out and do an interview with some drivers and obviously, you know, get some footage of the races themselves. And it's just that, that confidence in the approach to them to say, I am the media officer for this organisation, rather than going, uh, look, I'm not really sure if, if this is going to be okay, but would you mind? <laughs> that, that, that balls out approach just be able to say, look, this is my job. This is who we need to see. Fantastic. So, yeah, we always recommend the guys whenever they're racing, especially on a national basis, if they can obviously plan all these events um, because the calendar generally comes out. Obviously, now in these uncertain times, I'm not sure when we're racing next, but on a normal race year, um, having the national series, even a local state-based series, um, you know when the race dates are. So it's about being proactive. Once you find that contact, just be in contact with them every time you're about to race and definitely after you've raced, um, especially if you've had great performance, and um, to give them content because locally they're always looking for um, stories to print or to interview or like for people to interview for the local radio station. They're all, people are always generally looking for content locally. Oh, absolutely. The fact that here in, in Sydney and obviously down in Melbourne to a, to a degree uh, in Perth at Barbagallo, every couple of weeks, every, every month, there would be something happening. So to have something go to a country town like Port Macquarie, like Taree, like Griffith, you know, 
you, you'd have something a little bit out of the ordinary. So therefore, it was important to let the media know that the circus was coming to town, so to speak. So in that context for motorsport drivers and especially the up and coming motorsport drivers to, you know, you mentioned Hugh Barter. We, we, we've, we've spoken about him briefly. Hugh's a very proactive uh, young fellow. He's going to be 15 in September. But he's, he's out there, he's promoting who he is, what he does, and the fact that he wants to get into Formula One as an Australian driver. And he's heading off, hopefully, to France uh, at the end of this year uh, to drive in the, the Richard Miller um, uh, Talent Academy. And they organise and work with drivers to potentially get into Formula Four, which is a stepping stone F3, and obviously, hopefully, get into F1. Other drivers may not necessarily want or have the desire or respectfully have the talent to get into Formula One, but they might be absolutely fantastic in driving a HQ Holden. So again, putting it out there, you know, saying, hi, my name's John Smith. I've been doing karting for a few years, looking to expand. I'm happy just to go into HQ Holdens. Uh, who do I need to speak to about coming along, seeing what the cars are like, maybe even going out for a test drive with the owner of the car or something like that. And just getting those those contacts and building the old social network, Facebook, for example, like it or love it or hate it, it's a social network, and so many people have been able to cross paths and, and find out about uh, opportunities for various jobs, and of course, in this case, motorsport, simply by just getting my name out and saying, "Hi, this is what I do. Who can I speak to to, you know, find out a little bit more about what we need to do." Fantastic. Great words of advice, Dave. We really appreciate that. To wrap it up, there's been lots of information. Um, I'd like to know, what is your favourite racetrack anywhere in the world? Excluding Bathurst, because everyone's been seeing Bathurst. So I'm putting Bathurst off the table now. And why? Um, Ooh, very, very good question. I'm going to be obviously a little bit biased in one answer uh, and say Sydney Motorsport Park. <laughs> One, because it is an, an, an absolutely fantastic track to drive. You've got that kilometre long straight, the old drag strip, but then you've got all these nice technical curves. You've got off camber corners. You've got the, uh, the, the dips and the rises and the, the knowledge required just where you need to break to, say, go into uh, the Brock 05 turn on the southern side of the track. Set yourself up for the run as a nice sort of sweeper into uh, turn six and you're going uphill and then if you're using the long track, the 4.5 kilometre part of the track, you've actually got a fairly substantial um, drop down and then rise back up to come around into uh, uh, what is now turn 13, turn 14, for example, the old turn nine. Um, and the other side of uh, the answer would be Monaco as a Formula One track, purely and simply because it's such a condensed little area and it's not always possible, as we know, to get that overtake, but when it happens, it's a real flash of brilliance. And you see this uh, example of driver uh, skill and, and ability, which all motorsport drivers should take on board. As, you know, you're not the best driver in the world. There's always going to be somebody better than you. Go out, learn how to drive properly. And then if you do get into a, a situation where that five seconds worth of, you know, open to go through and go, is available. We see that Monaco when it happens and it's absolutely magic because it's so rare to see in such a tight track. I love that track. It's one of my favourites mm. as well. Mm. <laughs> well, thanks again, Dave, for joining us today. Um, all of Dave's details for LinkedIn will be in today's show notes. Um, and I appreciate your time. Well, Linda, it's been an absolute pleasure to, uh, to chat. And uh, as we talked about earlier, such a small world when it comes to people we all know and looking forward to being able to uh, hopefully chat, chat to you down the track.
Sounds great to me. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Team. Until next time, take care.